Hello, it's Seb. Thank you for being here. Today, I'm going to be talking about queer baiting slash queer coding and what it is and what examples of it are, because I feel like outside of kind of a smaller group of the LGBT community, people don't really know what it is um, or why people do it. And even within the LGBT community, some people know it's happening because we consume media, but don't always know what it is. So queer baiting is defined by Wikipedia as, quote, a marketing technique for fiction or entertainment in which creators hint at, but then do not actually depict same-sex romance or other LGBTQ representation, unquote. And queer coding is basically the same thing, but in a less negative, more neutral light. And that is assigning a character very stereotypically queer characteristics, but not explicitly stating that they are queer. Um, and I will be using the term queer instead of gay in the purpose of this episode. For me personally, queer is one of those terms that used to be a slur, but now I'm, well, I just personally have reclaimed it. So like I use queer as a word to define my identity and also like, you know, it, it depends. Some, some LGBT people do not like the word queer because it was used as a slur for so long and still is. But some people, including me, do kind of reclaim it as a term that applies. Basically, queer baiting, um, which I'll use, but queer baiting and queer coding are almost interchangeable, but it's kind of like the, the vibes of it. You know, queer baiting is more negative, queer coding is more neutral. Uh, it applies mostly to media, but it also kind of applies to celebrities. So basically the history of it is that before we had the media rating system that we did today, that's like TVMA or PG-13 or G or PG or whatever, there was the motion picture production code that is also casually referred to as like the Hayes code because one of the guys developing it, whatever. Um, so it was developed in 1930, but not properly enforced until 1934. And it had a ton of guidance that media producers had to follow, whether it be TV, movies, radio, whatever. And they had very strict rules on profanity. They had rules where you couldn't criticize clergy or religion. You couldn't show interracial relationships, all sorts of things. Um, interestingly, it's also, I mean, I watched a lot of I Love Lucy when I was younger. This was also the reason why Lucy and Ricky were always shown sleeping in separate beds. Because at the time, you weren't allowed to show men and women sharing beds on screen. So you couldn't explicitly state that a character was gay, but you could allude to it, right? And so you could give them very like effeminate or flamboyant or whatever stereotypes to kind of imply that they're gay. Looking at um, Hades from the Hercules movie or Scar from the Lion King. The frustrating thing about this is that these characters that are stereotypically gay fall into two categories that are either like villains or as the butt of a joke, like Bugs Bunny in, with his like cross-dressing and whatnot in like the 60s cartoons, right? I mean, I didn't watch a ton of TV when I was younger. Uh, I was only allowed to watch like strictly educational TV. So like Word Girl, you know, didn't have any queer characters, but it didn't have a lot of characters, period, because it was about teaching you vocabulary. So, you know, whatever. But even so, like I knew about these negative depictions of queer characters. And like, I know, I think on The Simpsons, there was some like, I'm so I'm just so sick of this common joke about trans women. And it's just the butt of a joke where it's like, she's actually a man, you know, she has male genitalia. And you're just like, N no, jokes like that in common media are just perpetuating the stereotype about trans women and leading to all the violence and discrimination they experience. So like, no, let's not do that. But I was so conscious of that when I was younger, didn't know why, 
Um, and so, like, I saw so many negative depictions of gay characters, even if they weren't explicitly gay, but, like, of this very, like, feminine men cannot be good characters, cannot be the main character, cannot be their own character outside of just being gay. The first depiction that I remember seeing that I would consider a positive or at least neutral depiction was in Rent, looking at Angel. Um, I mean, half the characters in Rent are gay, but for me, Angel was really like that character I vibed with because I was like, oh my gosh, amazing. And of course, there's like some kind of stuff about like whether Angel's a drag queen or trans woman, but that's not really important for me as a youngin being like, wow. <laughs> um, on that note, I mean, I will recommend a lot of uh, shows slash movies in this bit that are positive depictions. One, there's a documentary called Disclosure on Netflix. I'm a bit into it. And then I was like, I'm not going to watch this whole thing alone because I want to watch it with my family. So I'm going to make my family sit down and watch it with me. Um, but I love it so far. And it's about trans depiction in media throughout history and the effect that these depictions have on the audience, whether it's a straight audience or a queer audience. And like any minority, I think, you know, we look at the stereotype of like the black best friend or like the gay best friend or... You know, there's, there's, there's so many stereotypical roles that characters can fill that aren't fulfilling characters. They aren't well-rounded, well-developed characters. Um, and I'm only specifically going to be talking about, you know, this in a queer sense for this episode, but looking at does this character actually have their own arc outside of them being part of a minority. And so a lot of times queer characters are used as plot devices where they don't have a story arc beyond their coming out and whatever the consequences of that are. And it's just like a queer plot device to be like, yeah, we're inclusive. I don't know if people agree with this, but for me, like that example is kind of like Kurt from Glee, where it's like the majority of everything about him is that he's gay and this like struggle with being gay. And um, that alone isn't queer baiting. Uh, because he is explicitly gay, but it's just not great representation in my opinion. Better depictions, um, of course, this is just my opinion, are Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love her character arc that eventually led to her being bi. Um, Mo from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Drew from The Night Shift, he, that's just a great show, period. He's amazing, um, as are the rest of the characters. It's a great show, Night Shift, go watch it. Um, Alex Davis is a doctor on Grey's Anatomy, and even though I don't watch the show, um, so I don't exactly know his story arc, I know that his entire arc doesn't center around him being trans. Same with Elliot from The Fosters, or, um, I mean, literally the moms from The Fosters. That's just a great show with so much representation and so many important topics to talk about. And so I think that a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, you know, the, the directors are producers of the show didn't mean for it to come off as gay, like you're just interpreting it that way. And like, oh, it was accidental, but it honestly rarely is. Like looking at Hawaii Five O, it's a relationship that like there are jokes in the episodes about the closeness of Steve and Danny's relationship. And in my opinion, it can truly be interpreted as more than a friend. And it's my choice to interpret that that way. And also like Alex O'Loughlin has mentioned he was like I would be totally down for turning that into a romantic relationship between Steve and Danny I think that that would make sense it, it didn't end up happening but you could tell that at least the actors if not the show's creators were open to exploring that plot line but they didn't but I I love the show regardless 
Um, and I think maybe it's contradictory to the whole vibe for me to think that sometimes it's okay to leave it open to interpretation. But I think that as long as you aren't a creator who's like, I'm gonna hint at their relationship and just, just little like nudge, nudge, maybe they're gay. And then as soon as someone is like, I'm gonna interpret it as a same sex relationship, then they're like, no, why would you do that? That's not what I was going for at all. Like if you're going to encourage fans to interpret it as they want to, then like, don't be mad if they interpret it as gay. Like that's just what it is. Don't use the relationship or the hypothetical relationship to try to gain a queer fan base because that's just rude. Like I want actual representation. I don't want two good male friends staring longingly at each other and then both being in a straight relationship. Like shut up. I know bi people exist, <laughs> but still like, ugh, gosh. Um, I think queer baiting is a lot like clickbait. Like look at the amount of thumbnails on YouTube that are like a YouTuber kissing their like same gender friend or whoever and it's like a whole thing and you're like unless this is like the precursor to a coming out video or literally a coming out video like stop that like stop trying to get views just by like kissing someone like ugh, gosh or like Trisha Paytas is um I mean, I won't share any opinions on Trisha, but the coming out video, coming out as a trans man video was just, ugh. maybe I'll do a reaction to that. That was a whole shebang. Um, another thing that some creators will do, and at some point you go, I know that's not unintentional. I know that's not accidental, is some like allusions or references that straight audiences probably won't catch or understand, but when you're part of a queer audience watching something, you're going to pick up on those things very quickly. And so like Supernatural has a ton of this and I don't, I don't regularly watch Supernatural, but I mean, come on, I've been on Tumblr enough to know Destiel. Um, and so like, you know, some sensible shoes comment or like um, the reference to Purgatory in Miami, which is like a gay bar, like all these little things that like, I could make a good case citing canon events that Dean was bi or gay. Like, enough little illusions happened. I think examples, common examples of queer baiting in media are like Hannibal and Will and Hannibal, where it's like, I don't know, it just wasn't a very fulfilling same-sex uh, timeline. Uh, Derek and Styles and Teen Wolf is a huge one. Like, they definitely, like, even encourage the actors to, like, be closer to each other and, like, in interviews and like all this stuff and 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 yet we never we never get that fulfillment of that potential storyline uh and then obviously castiel and dean from supernatural i think that some people faults queer individuals for arguing that these relationships could be queer but honestly with the lack of lgbt depiction like i'll take whatever i can get and so if i have to settle for like joking comments and like longing glances then like okay, fine, I'm just gonna interpret this character as gay, I don't care. Um, I mean, ideally I would have, you know, more depictions like in The Fosters or The Night Shift, but I was about to say that's not realistic, but it literally is realistic. Like, show me the statistics that says that it makes sense for your fictional universe with thousands of people in it not to have one canonically gay person or trans or like literally at all queer. Like literally the fact that you can have fictional universes with so many people and you can't just like you know really finding nemo is like or finding dory was such a huge thing about like having that lesbian couple in the background like literally shut up like that ugh, give me more 
And then you get to, like, J.K. Rowling, where it's like, you can't just make one of your characters gay just to appease the audience. And the thing about that is, like, she didn't even... There was nothing in canon in the books, nothing canon in the movies, until just one interview. She's like, oh yeah, Dumbledore is gay. And you're like, oh great, you've cured homophobia. And then even in the second Fantastic Beast, where they were like, ooh, maybe we'll explore this this relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Like, And then they were like, uh, actually, no, we're just gonna, like, allude to it, but not actually, like, show anything. Like, that would be crazy. And you're just like, oh my gosh, you got so close. And then, like, look at Sherlock and the fact that they never state anything about Sherlock or John's relationship. Honestly, like, I wouldn't even be mad if they confirmed that Sherlock was asexual. Like, I'd be cool with that. I'd be like, yeah, give me give me that representation. I'm down. Um, But there were so many times in the show that John and Sherlock were mistaken for a couple, and it was brushed off or kind of like it's a joke. And so it's like, clearly, you're going for this relationship. You're intending to depict it a certain way. And so the creators and the actors know that that's the vibe that is present and that that subtext is present. So like, can you let them have that? I think in addition to the ones I've mentioned earlier, I think Doctor Who does a great job of having queer characters like Captain Jack. I mean, sure, he doesn't play a huge role in Doctor Who. In Torchwood, he has a huge role. Um, and then you look at like Madame Vasta and Jenny Flint that are together in the show, like canonically as both, you know, female presenting characters as well as Bill, and they didn't make it a huge deal. They weren't like, ooh, look at this couple that's two women. We are so diverse. And you're like, yeah, and one of them's a lizard. So, you know, I'm down for that kind of diversity. Like, whatever. I remember when Taylor Swift released You Need to Calm Down, right? And she released it during Pride Month. It was great. It was such a bop. It's still on, like, my playlist of summer bops. Um, but I know a ton of people accused her of queer baiting with this song. And it was like... I think when I what I interpreted as one, she's either alluding to the fact that she may be bi or pan or something, or she's just explicitly stating that she's an ally, both of which I can fully support. Though honestly, with the release of her most recent album and specifically the song Betty, I personally think it may be the former, but honestly, I really don't care. And her sexuality isn't the business of the public. Um, and honestly, perks to her for making songs that the gays can relate to. But then you look at like Billie Eilish and it's like, I wish you were gay. It's like, oh, she could have been singing this about a girl. Like I, I wish that that song had been about a girl that was straight, but instead it's like, I'm singing about this guy, I wish you were gay because then that would give you a reason for like being interested in other guys and not me. And you're just like, why, like I know that Billie Eilish isn't like homophobic, but also I was like, can I, like, if it's not gonna be about that, just like, why'd you have to include that in the title? <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That's not the point of this, but. And also like, I think often the LGBT fan bases of shows are accused of misinterpreting platonic relationships and I want to be like no like I know what a platonic relationship between two guys looks like you know look at Charles and Jake in Brooklyn Nine-Nine they're never accused of being a couple there's no like that's not the butt of any jokes you know they're both in fulfilling relationships and sure there is some hinting to the fact that like Jake has said a lot of other guys are attractive so is Charles and like that's super cool and I love that because even if at the end of the day they're both straight, like we can acknowledge that men can find other men attractive and not have that be a sexuality type thing. But that 
relationship is depicted very differently from the relationship between like Sherlock and John or Kaz and Dean. And that's where the problem comes in. And so if a creator of a show is only making characters seem queer to try to get the fan base, the queer fan base and the straight ally fan base to follow this show, to watch this show consistently because they're like, maybe this will be the episode that they'll reveal that the two of them are actually in a relationship. And that never comes and the show ends. And you're like, wow, I just hated everything about this show. I only watched it because I thought that maybe I was gonna have some queer representation. Like that's not fair to anyone. And you know what you're doing. You're not accidentally making this character flamboyant and you're not accidentally, you know, having this character stare into each other's eyes after one of them almost dies. Like depict friends as friends and depict close male friends as close male friends, but stop alluding to some hypothetical same-sex relationship if you're never gonna give it to us. Like, I want representation, and so stop wasting my time with hypothetical, very stereotypical characters. Like, I don't, I don't need that. I just want good LGBT representation. It's all we are asking for. So yeah, that's, I, I think I just went into examples and like, whatever but hopefully you kind of understand what that vibe is and like when you're watching a show consider it and consider if there's a character that's depicted as stereotypically gay and being like do they actually have a full character plot like eric from sex education i'm very happy with his plot line because he is a full character and his whole character isn't about him being gay it's also not about him being black like he's just a character and he has a full arc um beyond his being in a minority too and that's super cool so just just consider that i think at the end of the day like we just need more queer content creators to tell us what accurate depictions look like and to encourage writers that like the weird code developed in the 30s isn't in place anymore it's just not so like you don't need to worry about that yeah if it's children's tv like obviously you can't have anything explicit but you're allowed to be like oh like that's uncle mike's boyfriend oh my gosh like give us representation okay that's all i want <laughs> that's, that's it for today i know i just repeated give us representation like 30 times but that's the vibe for right now also i'm recording this on thursday um i'm hoping to start to release regularly on Fridays. I have one episode like in backup for if there's a week that I don't, um, that is my reaction to JK Rowling's essays. Um, and maybe I'll post that at some point, but I have top surgery in the morning. Um, super cool. And so I am going to set this to come out tomorrow morning because I'll probably publish it tonight, but I'm not going to have time to do that tomorrow. Uh, oh my gosh, top surgery in like, uh, 11 hours. Cool. Well, I have to be the hospital in 11 hours. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I'll see you next week as long as I like can walk and stuff. I don't know why I'd need to be able to walk to record a podcast. It's just me sitting alone in my room. Whatever. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Remember that it is what it is, but what it is is not what it will always be. Hopefully I'll see you next time. Have a nice day.